starting about one minute. Okay. It's important to be five minutes late. Right. 
Uh, is this microphone working? Uh, anyway, uh, it's a great pleasure to welcome you all here tonight. Uh, we're here to discuss uh, Ahmed Shukri, Dr. Shukri Ahmed's paper, Beyond the Tunisian Exception, Unchanging Politics and Social Movements. This event is part of the uh, research network, Popular Mobilization and Social Movements in the Middle East and North Africa. Uh, we have, this is one of the main things we do, we have these seminars where uh, a paper is submitted in advance and pre-circulated, as you would have seen, and uh, we get a chance to uh, discuss it seriously uh, here. And, of course, we publish uh, these papers later in the Middle East Centre's uh, uh, paper series. And so, and it's a pleasure in that regard to announce the publication of someone who was here last year, Joel Bynin, and we're just about to put out his uh, paper, uh, Political Economy and Social Movement Theory Perspectives on the Tunisian and Egyptian Popular Uprisings of 2011. And, of course, this speaks very directly to the topic of today. And... Uh, um, and so, and, and you know, we also have a, uh, an email list serve, and now we've taken to sending out um, information on bibliography, on public events, on all sorts of things to do with social movements and the Middle East. So, if you want to be part of that list serve, please uh, either give me your email here tonight or send me an email afterwards and I'll put you on it. My name's John. Chalcraft. I'm an associate professor in the Department of Government. And this research network is sponsored by the Middle East Centre and the Department of Government, and we're very grateful for their support. So the idea in these seminars, in order to maximise the discussion, is that uh, the speaker talks for 12 or so minutes uh, at the beginning. I'm going to act as discussant, but I won't speak for more than about six minutes, and then... Uh, Dr. Hamed can respond to me if he wants, or we can just open it up to the floor, and then we have uh, Q&A, but also time for a bit more uh, 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 serious discussion, especially on the basis of those of you who have read the paper, and of course you're expected to have done so, which uh, will of course enrich the discussion. If you do turn off your phones, that would be terrific. Um, and uh, let's see, we're here to welcome... Dr. Shukri Ahmed. He's an associate professor of political science at Paris Dauphine University. He's also been a visiting professor at New York University and a visiting associate professor at Stanford University. He's someone who got his PhD in 2006 from Paris Sorbonne and he has a string of publications and various prizes and prestigious awards, but he's done a lot of field work in Tunisia. One important publication that came out recently was uh, um, a, a, a co uh, written piece um, it, uh, that came out in the Revue Française de Sciences Politiques in 2012. In it's also in English and French, but it's called Abeyance Networks, Contingency and Structures, History and origins of the Tunisian Revolution. And he's also got uh, an important article coming out in uh, Les Actes de la Recherche en Sciences Sociales, it, it, which is coming out in, is it Les Actes or just Act? Act. It's just Act. And uh, it's coming out in, uh, I have to get that right or I'll be told off, by 
it, it's coming out in March, very soon, and it's called. Um, and what is it going to be in English and French? No. Okay, just in no. French, but in English it's called the sociology of revolutions and political crises in the Arab world. And there's also going to be a forthcoming book on Tunisia called From Barricades to Ballots. So we're lucky to have Dr. Hamed. I mean, we don't do enough in Britain, <coughs> in the UK, on North Africa. Uh, and yet there are many reasons to be interested in Tunisia and there are many reasons to be interested in the forms of popular mobilization, contentious politics and social movements that have surrounded uh, the uprising and the new kinds of institution building and some of the sorts of uh, positive outcomes that you know Tunisia uh, that have been seen there. One or two things, if you would like to tweet about this event, use the hashtag uh, hash uh, LSE Hamed H-M-E-D as uh, written here and uh, let's see I will try to control the time but just to mention before we welcome Dr. Hamed uh, the next speaker in this research network is going to be someone called uh, Jasmine Gheni who's coming on the 15th of March into the same time slot and she's got uh, done some interesting research on the Syrian National Coalition and its strategies, especially the externalist kind of diplomatic strategy that it pursued after 2011, and we're going to be discussing that. So, uh, welcome again. It's a pleasure to see you, and let's uh, welcome uh, Dr. Hamed in the traditional way. Thank you ever so much, um, John, for your kind invitation, and thanks to all uh, attendees of this seminar for being here uh, Tuesday evening. Actually, I'm not a little doubted uh, to be invited at LSE, uh, which represents uh, the unreachable model for our president uh, of the university, Barry Dauphine. <laughs> Uh, in order to discuss with you some of uh, my outcomes of my ongoing fieldwork uh, research about the shifting interactions uh, between the social movements field and the political field in Tunisia since uh, 2011, especially the leftist uh, forces. What are we generally told about Tunisia? Uh, this little noiseless country as the Tunisian uh, French historian Jocelyne Dakhlia calls it, is usually described by scholars of Middle Eastern studies um, and media as what I call an exception within an exception. The exception is uh, the Arab world, uh, of course, which is mainly depicted as a political area uh, remaining disparately and definitely apart from the long trend of democratization around the world, and within this ex exception, Tunisia uh, is represented as an exception itself uh, because um, of its, uh, not because its leading role in the so-called uh, Arab Spring, nor uh, the recent nomination of its civil society for Nobel Peace Prize, and nor for the fact that till now it has avoided quite successfully uh, uh, and conversely to its neighbors, uh, civil war, state breakdown, and authoritarian restoration and uh, consolidation. Uh, I, sh I have shown in the um, 
the paper that uh, the rhetoric of exception uh, is all but new. Uh, neither it appears as a scientific, uh, scientific uh, category of thought, although many scholars and journalists try to provide this emic category uh, a very academic content. Tunisian, Tunisian exception appears uh, far more likely as a category of uh, the state and is very specific to the bureaucratic field as Pierre Bourdieu uh, uh, used to uh, define it in 1994, for example. Um, a category of the state constructed by the former president, uh, Habib Bourguiba, uh, from 1957 to 1987, and used further by President uh, Zina Abdin uh, since 1987 in order to legitimate uh, the Tunisian regime inside and abroad at the same time. So, what can we add uh, as uh, political scientists or uh, social scientists um, tell about Tunisian exception uh, in a more sociological way? Um, Although it might appear overly ambitious to uh, sum up more than five years of wide political change and large social unrest in such, uh, in such a short talk, um, I would propose a sociological analysis of the two revolutionary situations. Uh, the first takes place in 2010 and 2011, uh, while the second is the ongoing political situation apparently characterized by large disengagement from social movements uh, and social movement uh, organizations, the return of political apathy amongst citizens, and particularly the reflex of the contentious cycle. Uh, of course, this assessment might appear quite weird, since Tunisia is witnessing now a quite large-scale social movement for a month, for a month uh, which started from the very uh, same geographical areas <coughs> and within the same social groups. I mean the center-west of Tunisia, La Sri, and uh, the unemployed graduates. I would try, uh, however, to show that this widespread social movement does not undermine the logics that have deeply uh, shaped the interactions between social movements and political field for five years now. Um, the first revolutionary situation has characterized, though differently, both uh, the four weeks preceding the flight of President Ben Ali uh, on January 14th and the two months following the flight. As I will show, those two periods did not come out of any spontaneous uh, unrest against, against authoritarian rule and economical failure, nor were they endeavored by an apolitical youth. Um, rather, they appear as a product of abased structures combined to strong political threats perceived as, the, as such by activists and politicized social groups. Conversely, uh, the ongoing political situation opened up since December 2014 uh, along with the presidential and parliamentary elections won by uh, Nidat Tunis, Call for Tunisia, uh, which is a party uh, uh, gather, which gather uh, former elite of uh, Ben Ali uh, rule and 
uh, actual reformists and Nahda party which is the, the Islamist party um, this ongoing political situation led to the temporary breakdown of the social movements since 2014 at least the organized mobilizations uh, of course uh, the ongoing uh, situation is uh, characterized by uh, social unrest and by this wide range uh, political uh, uprising since uh, in January uh, 2016 but what I want to uh, say here is that um, uh, there is uh, there were a, a turning point a very important turning point <coughs> in uh, summer 2013 uh, called uh, the Bardo sitting uh, sitting of the remove at summer Rahi which uh, has uh, uh, gathered uh, activists from Nida uh, Tunis who held the, the, the sitting and uh, the uh, activists of uh, the Popular Front, which is uh, a coalition of parties of leftist parties, uh, and since uh, this um, sitting, uh, it, uh, it is very difficult for uh, social movements to uh, organize in Tunisia because uh, they don't have uh, the support of. Uh, uh, at almost the, 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 the leaders of this popular front, which is historically um, a very important actor in uh, the social history of Tunisia. Not to, uh, to mention, of course, the role of trade union, Al-Ittihad Al-Am Tunisian Shogun, the Tunisian trade union, uh, which has also uh, uh, which has been very important uh, in leading the uh, national dialogue in 2013 and uh, which is actually not supporting the social movement since January 2016. So, um, this, the, the first uh, the first uh, revolutionary situation uh, didn't come uh, out of a spontaneous movement, as I said. Uh, I'll briefly summarize three big issues or outcomes of my ethnographic fieldwork uh, since 2011. Uh, my ethnographic fieldwork, because I was, uh, I worked on. Um, the genesis uh, and the origins of uh, the history and the origins of the Re Tunisian revolution uh, since uh, 2011 uh, the first part uh, between 2011 2012 and uh, the second part is uh, since uh, last fall uh, I conducted uh, and carried out um, hundred uh, almost a hundred um, interviews with activists and non-activists uh, in the political and the social movement field and uh, the three outcomes uh, these, the study uh, has highlighted are um, yeah, five minutes, I have my account here, thank you 
three outcomes. The first is uh, an analysis at odds with the mainstream vision that treats the, uh, the uprising as spontaneous, young, and leaderless movement. Uh, the second is the role of the trade unionists rather than the workers uh, in the revolutionary, the revolutionary process as a whole. And the third outcome is uh, the entanglement of social and political claims that emerged early in the process and that were shifted afterward by protesters into a demand for a new constitution as the main means of uh, to achieving the, the, the revolution. The second revolutionary situation, uh, and I move on to my second point here, um, that I wish to focus on is the period that begins after the sitting of the Bardo, Ertisam uh, al-Rahil, and uh, this um, political situation is um, very complex, uh, as um, the sitting was held by Nida Tunis of Tunisia and uh, with the support of, uh, of parties coalition named uh, the Popular Front, Al-Jabha Shabiya, after um, two political assassinations uh, which occurred in 2013, uh, and uh, we didn't, uh, we don't forget the martyr Shokri Bilaid on February the 6th, killed on February the 6th, followed by uh, the Nasserian leftist deputy uh, Mohamed Lebrahmi on July the 25th. And uh, this um, sit-in uh, was encouraged by uh, the repression of the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood by Marshal Sisi at the meantime in Egypt. Um, and uh, it was strongly supported by the radical leftist popular front. Uh, within a national front of safety, Al-Jabha Al-Wataniya al And uh, since then, it's uh, very difficult for uh, social movements to organize uh, uh, without the support of the, those of the two main historical support, uh, which are Al-Ittihad Al-Amtul UGTT and Trade Unionists, and the Popular Front uh, at the meantime. So, I wish to conclude my intervention by emphasizing three striking, striking points. First, um, the, dynamic, the dynamics of social movements have undoubtedly it own, its own logics and its own temporality, and might appear mostly as autonomous, especially during revolutionary situations. Uh, this sociological assessment does not impli imply, however, uh, that the political field uh, shaped by long-term alliances between organizations and sectors is totally excluded for, uh, from the, the activists' field. But as shown in the paper, uh, the changing politics undertaken by radical leftists during the first revolutionary situation have moved on an unchanging politics afterwards since the political agenda and its logics uh, have been imposed on leftist parties and led to the decrease of the number of organized social movements in Tunisia and their durable uh, deinstitutionalization. Uh, secondly, the leading role of unions in Tunisia and its grassroots members in the constitution-making process and beyond within the Tunisian political field is all but new, 
ever since ever since the independence in 1956, uh, the UGTT was the only one institution that uh, was not totally controlled by the regime, and it stayed that way even after uh, Ben Ali's flight. Thirdly, uh, this role helped to maintain a balance within uh, with, the, with the increasing power of the Islamist party another during the political transition and the constitution-making process. Uh, through several protest events, unions and unionists appeared as one of the major protagonists of the transition, especially during the national dialogue in 1913 that led to the, to the adoption of uh, the constitution. Thank you. So thanks very much. Uh, so I, you know, I, this is one of the, the strengths about of this research and this and, and what this paper points to is, uh, you know, the rich field work that's been undertaken, and it's part of. Uh, uh, so uh, and, and that's pretty important. Um, second, I think it raises some very important issues, uh, which I'll get to. But I and I also think it's an invitation to discussion. Uh, as a paper, because it's a work in progress, which is something that is very welcomed, particularly by us here, because we like to discuss, and it's also something that we like to do, is to get academics who've just come back from the field, uh, and then uh, uh, hopefully we think that you know we'll play a role in shaping and, and criticising and taking you to task, and, and that kind of thing, and that's part of the purpose of this this seminar, so I think that's terrific. I mean, to me, the the two sort of very interesting claims that are in this paper, uh, and that you know, it's it's a three or four thousand word paper. You don't detail them, and you don't subject them to a huge amount of detail. But we know they're backed by a lot of field work and serious reflection. Uh, but there there are two things that I think are most. I mean, the most interesting. The point that you make about this issue of to what extent was the activism in 2011, what you characterize as the first revolutionary situation, to what extent was it spontaneous? Obviously that's quite a worked over debate. I mean we had uh, Mahar Abdurrahman in here and, and she maintains that it is quite, was quite spontaneous in the context of Egypt and 2011. It's part of her, her argument that it should have been more organized. You know, that's the paper that she's published with us in praise of organization. But, uh, but anyway, you've already written about this to some extent in the uh, Revue de Française, the Science Politique, and, and, and you, you, you have an explanation already for how you see that unrest in terms of abeyance structures and political threats. <coughs> and uh, I, so to me, that isn't the most interesting issue that's broached by this paper. So there are two things that I think are very important. One, uh, so... Who was it who was uh, leading the activism in two different revolutionary situations? Uh, and especially, I suppose, your focus is on leftist organization and social and economic demands, but also not excluding the moments when those social and economic demands were linked to political demands. Who's leading it? You say, and this does challenge someone like a, a Joel Bynin, in this paper who, I mean, um, you say uh, it was trade unionists and above all teachers, not workers in a, a simple kind of class essentialist way. And that is important. I think it's important to always differentiate. 
and uh, and you, I suppose you might you might find that there's a slippage between the category trade unionist and the category workers in quite a lot of the analysis that's been done. If you think of Anne Alexander or Mustafa Basuni on Egypt or uh, in Joe Biden's work, and 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 so I think that's important. Uh, so the second thing that I think is important is, I mean, this is very important, this issue of how you say that whereas social and economic and political demands were intertwined in 2011, over time, they, uh, the social and economic content has partly dropped out and the political content has come to the fore. And, you, and it seems that the explanation for that is in terms of how a political agenda has been imposed on the activism by some kind of uh, conservative, organized political forces. So I think, anyway, I think those two key issues are very important. But I, but I want to, I think it could be interesting, A, to discuss, I mean, it's bound to be a wrinkle on this second thesis that in recent the last few weeks, as you mentioned, quite a lot of social economic demands have been raised in activism. So we have that question on the table. But the other thing that, you know, we want more sociological detail and we want more uh, clarity on the explanation for both of these two things. On the one side, why was it that teachers play this role? I mean, in the paper you mentioned activist capital and uh, cultural capital as playing a role and, and so okay up to a point but there are lots of people in Tunisia who have uh, cultural capital but they weren't involved second of all activist capital I mean doesn't that just push the explanation back uh, a few months or years why did they you know how do we uh, how did they begin in the first place and how do you account for moments when the activism uh, is developed and becomes more widespread and then moments when it when it diminishes so and you know why why the teachers I mean it comes up again and again in, in accounts of Tunisia that uh, I mean sometimes when people don't distinguish very clearly as to who these trade unionists were it, it, it comes up in accounts of 2011 uh, that it was teachers that played a role at the grassroots of the the status trade union, they weren't co-opted, they raised social economic demands, etc. So I think we want to know more about why it was these teachers that played such a role and to probe that and to see how far that went. Because certainly, I mean, even in some of the political science work, like Eva Bellin, her analysis, she came here not that long ago, and she says that, uh, I mean, this kind of organized <coughs> activism by uh, I mean, she calls them civil society organizations like the UGTT, played this very important role in delivering the compromises that led to liberal democratic institution building. So, I mean, we're partly embroiled in that debate as well, and, uh, you know, the important consequences of, of, of certain sections of UGTT activism and what they were for and where they come from. So that, that's a, a set of issues, explanations for why, why teachers. But the other piece of it, uh, you know, why, why is it that social economic demands were subordinated to political demands? How did that happen? 
was it really about a, an agenda imposed? How does that, how can, if that's true, then why was that agenda not imposed earlier? Also, um, uh, I mean, there is a long tradition of raising social and economic demands among the grassroots of the UGTT, and so why would they allow themselves to be co-opted? And also then, but then there's another question, are we to assume that it's necessarily a bad thing? I mean, of course, uh, from the point of view of uh, I, I mean, you know, the basic salience of social and economic demands, yes. But is it that there's some uh, political or radically democratic project that might be involved in raising political demands? I mean, what was the value of... I mean, is it, is it, a narrow, is it necessarily a narrowing of... Of, of the range of demands that are being made, or is there something else that protesters have in mind? I mean, I, 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 I take it that it is seen as a, as a narrowing and a form of conservatism and so on, but I, you know, I think that's worth discussing as well. Uh, but, I, but I would like to know a bit more about how it was the case that such demands were able to be, to be uh, put to one side in favour of, of the constitutional question. I mean, partly just in the light of, I mean, you, because the, the, you know, I don't think we should just dismiss, and I don't think you do, the positive political outcome that happened in Tunisia. I mean, you compare it to Egypt and the rebuilding of the security state, you compare it to Bahrain, repression, you compare it to Syria, civil war, uh, then, you know, these were positive political outcomes, they matter. So activism around political demands is not, you know, completely... Uh, a failure, as it were, especially on the regional stage. And there's, you know, there's other questions. How do we identify revolutionary situations? What's the best way to frame this contribution? Because uh, you know, the whole question of the exception within the exception, which at the end you seem to refuse by saying, well, actually, there is an exception, and it has to do with the strength of organisation in the in the grassroots of the UGTT. And finally, I, I think you know, we want to know a bit more. What's the question that you're trying to answer in the paper? But um, but yeah, but I but I think this is uh, important work. It's going to make an important contribution to these debates. Uh, I'm uh, and and I'll be very interested to hear what you say about these and and, and, and uh, in response to the discussion. <coughs> but um, so thank you. And if you if you'd like to respond to that, you can, or we can just open up the floor uh, as you like. No, I think it's, uh, you raised a very important question. <coughs> And uh, of course, um, my bad English uh, is responsible of the the superficiality of the of the paper of three made of three uh, thousand words. Well, we only gave and you three thousand words. Okay. So, so <laughs> I I I will try to answer your two um, insightful uh, questions. Um, first, why the teachers uh, and not the workers? Mm. Um, it's important to have kept in mind that uh, in the case of Tunisia, yeah, if we uh, are um, to speak about an exception, uh, is there, uh, there is an exception uh, which is not uh, the civil or the women's rights, uh, nor uh, uh, the place of the, 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 the fact that uh, uh, Tunisia has. Uh, uh, constitution since then, 1861 and uh, etc. Uh, the very exception of Tunisia is uh, the trade unionism. Okay, but 
I told uh, I sp uh, about uh, um, an exception within an exception, and the exception within the this Tunisian exception is that the trade unionism in Tunisia is uh, mostly um, um, composé, composed of of um, civilian state uh, states. Uh, state civil servants, civil, civil right. servants. Yeah, civil servants. Civil yeah. servants, yeah. Uh, no, not workers. You have, of course, workers mm. uh, coming from uh, the company the Foscar <coughs> um, in the center of Tunisia. Mm. But uh, most of those trade unions are coming from um, the are teachers and they are working um, in uh, hospitals. Uh, they are working in yeah. all the public sector, yeah. so this make uh, uh, this makes the uh, trade unionism in Tunisia very specific. And um, although there are workers, uh, my ethnographic uh, fieldwork during 2011 and 12. Uh, when I went to Sidi Bouzid and I went to Belli, I went to Benzart, I went to Tunis, of course, and uh, I uh, carried out a lot of interviews with um, a lot of uh, activists coming from the so-called civil society and parties and uh, trade uh, unions, and showed, uh, has shown that um, the workers were uh, work uh, uh, has played uh, have played a ro role a li uh, important role, but um, uh, for the teachers in the high in high schools uh, have um, um, organized historical battles uh, during the 90s, especially uh, against. Ben Ali's rule and against Ben Ali's government and Ben Ali's repression uh, and for the, the teachers also <coughs> have um, organized um, uh, they, they have a, a political socialization into the universities during the 90s and uh, the uh, 2000 um, their role were, uh, was very important uh, also in uh, putting in uh, touch uh, different social groups, especially uh, within these inland cities where the state uh, is not uh, very present and uh, not very important. Uh, and they tried and they uh, were successful in it to uh, politicize also their students and they, their pupils and also they, 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 um, they are uh, really now, uh, especially in these inland uh, cities, a part of uh, the local elite uh, of uh, the population. Um, whereas uh, the workers and uh, the workers' trade unions are very rare uh, within the, this uh, these inland cities, um, uh, especially in the south and the center. Uh, perhaps we can uh, I can answer more if I can 
express more ideas best. But I move on to the <coughs> second question. Uh, why uh, political uh, demands were imposed to the uh, social um, field? Um, I think, and uh, this was at stake in the in the paper and uh, also uh, in the political situation since 2011, that um, there were a very important battle uh, in Tunisia uh, since uh, January 14, 2011, after Ben Ali's fled uh, to uh, Saudi Arabia about uh, what are we as uh, people, as activists, uh, as Tunisians, to demand uh, in order to change or to, uh, to um, realize the uh, political changes. Mm. And uh, I uh, explained in the paper that uh, this uh, demand of a constituent assembly uh, wasn't um, very uh, was wasn't normal. Mm. Uh, uh, it was a very, a very uh, uh, an important uh, political issue, uh, and there were different um, interpretations of uh, what is a constituent assembly for different social groups and political groups. And the, uh, there were, uh, after two or three weeks of uh, occupation in Qasba uh, Square in Tunis, uh, a large consensus among people, among different political parties and civil society and the trade unionists and the leftist parties and the leftist organizations that the um, perhaps the the, um, the second best uh, s solution uh, in order to achieve one part of uh, the revolution is to uh, demand constituent uh, assembly. Mm. So it's not uh, that uh, automatic, that uh, mechanical, uh, uh, that um, right. perhaps uh, that straight yeah. that uh, yeah. there were uh, there were an imposed agenda uh, onto the, uh, the social groups, uh, okay. uh, but um, this problem. Uh, Stress the question of the failure. I think the failure of uh, leftist uh, party and leftist organizations, not only in Tunisia but you know uh, in the area in our world and perhaps also in the whole world at all. Mm. Yeah. All right. Okay. So the floor is open for questions and even allow comments in this seminar. If you say who you are, that would be great before we, we speak. Okay. Um, I was curious as to what you thought 
about the grassroots movements such as um, Fayyar Mahabba. Fayyar Mahabba? Yeah, Muhammad Hashmi Hamdi, because recently he was named as one of the most dangerous politicians. So I was wondering what your views on his impact on the movement in Tunisia. Okay. Do you want to take that one straight away? Perhaps you could explain. No, perhaps I, I don't know. You okay. can join. All right, let's take more questions. More. If you know. <coughs> yeah. Um, I'm struck by the uh, uh, kind of political act between Al-Nahda um, and some of the leftists or the human rights ones, Mustafa Masoopi and others. How come? Uh, you can explain that for five years they've been playing an act of trying to project a kind of a moder a moderate Islamist slash leftist or humanist one and still at it at now despite you know all the challenges. Uh, do you think there is a kind of a bluffing by one side against the other or it is a kind of like uh, appeals to the outside more than the inside? Uh, why why I'm saying this? Because I met them a couple of times here. They got a prize from Chatham House for, for the act. Or on the side of the coin, you think it's it's a good model for Tunisia in the future? To who, who did you meet here, sorry? Uh, Rashid Ghanoushi and Musaf Mazuki. They oh, got the okay. uh, Chatham House prize yeah. a couple of years ago. And I'm sure they it's not likely it's being given. But uh, the challenge is to keep the prize and keep working in a peaceful manner, uh, not necessarily on the same agenda, but to keep the peace in Tunisian society and uh, you know, let other forces not resort to uh, violence. So how do you uh, evaluate this kind of uh, you know, uh, uh, political group? They are at loggerheads in politics, uh, but also it's, it's what they are aiming at the end of the day. Mm. Is that above all a question about the Anahda? Right. Okay. Okay. Is it? Did I, I get that right? The yeah. Leftist and the Nahda. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So to explain why the leftists would be accepting a Nahda agenda yeah. and why a Nahda would be accepting and who's, a who's to win from this? Okay. All right. Okay. Perhaps I answered those okay. questions. All right. Um. Tayr Mahabba. Uh, a populist party uh, of uh, Hashmi Hamdi, who is uh, a businessman from Sidi Bouzid, which has <coughs> uh, who has played a, a leading role uh, just in the aftermath of the revolution, uh, especially in Sidi Bouzid, because uh <coughs> and I want also to push you my answer. Uh, or to to to, to answer uh, John about uh, the role of teachers, especially in uh, the center of Tunisia, Sidi Bouzid, which is famous uh, before the revolution um, by the fact of uh, being surveilled, uh, surveilled, uh, uh, watched, surveilled by watched, the yeah. watched by uh, by the former uh, state party. Uh, because in Sidi Bouzid, mm. you, you, uh, they used to have the, the, the high rate of uh, the um, party representations into the small cities. Uh, even in the small cities, uh, there were 
perhaps at, at uh, um, 6,000 uh, decimules de parti uh, okay. sections. Party there there was a high rate of political participation. No, no participation. Oh, the, no, the, the, oh, oh, of the party, of the, the the former party. Okay, so they they okay. small sections uh, uh, constituted by the um, constitutional democratic rally, which okay. was the, the party of uh, Ben Ali, and this um, uh, network of uh, informers and uh, party activists uh, after the revolution a part of them uh, were um, uh, had to, 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 to get job new jobs you know so uh, one of the of the of the uh, provider of those jobs were, uh, was was uh, Hamdi with his uh, uh, a great network of uh, <coughs> informers and, <coughs> you know, um, grassroots activists, uh, as you as you okay. as you said. So actually, mm, it uh, played a, a leading role also uh, during the uh, constituent assembly because uh, it composed. Uh, a uh, party, a uh, very big party, but uh, it wasn't that unified. So after one or two months, uh, it exploded, uh, uh, and uh, one part of this party uh, was Dayal uh, Mahabba. Uh, it was the third, third force after another uh, <coughs> after the uh, Congress for Republic of uh, President Marzouki, and now. Uh, during the, those the, those days, uh, since uh, January 2016, uh, it plays a role. Also, we are told that they are playing a role uh, in uh, the social unrest. So uh, we don't have a lot of informations and scientific scientific information about this party, and I don't know even. Uh, scientific scientific um, uh, inquiry or paper about Tahir Mahabba, although he plays a leading role uh, uh, during all the political transitions since 2011. So it, it would be great if it would be great if uh, uh, you have information about this party. Because I don't. Yeah. No. We don't, yeah. we don't work about, uh, on this party uh, specifically. I do. I do. And um, do you make an... I'm the Okay. Yeah. So I know like, a lot of information. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure now. <laughs> Great. Is it? So wha wha what was your question? I didn't... I don't no, no, you answered the question, I thought. No, I, I yeah, I, I think I felt like we had an answer there, but I just I, do you would you translate a tayar mahabba like movement of love currently? Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting. Paul, Paul Amar is researching uh, this discourse about love in in Egypt after 2011, and Sisi's you know great love for his people, and and you know it is a but anyway, uh, but just to just to but we can come back. 
do you have something to follow up on on what he just said? Yeah, yeah, but because I mean, it'd be very interesting to hear, uh, you know, what you would have to say. Yeah, well, maybe we'll come back if the discussion, uh, you know. Okay. okay. Well, what about this other question? To be sure, you're not the the, the Russian Ranushi's son. <laughs> <laughs> so it's okay. <laughs> okay. Or Zuki's brother, or I don't know. Um, okay. Uh, if I have understood your question well, it's about uh, the relationship between Anahda and the leftist party, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, a second exception about Tunisia is uh, the relationships between uh, Islamists and leftists after and during and before the revolution. Because uh, what we saw as an exception, or what we described as an exception about Tunisia, uh, I mean the Troika, uh, the union uh, between uh, the Islamist party and Congress for Republic and Atakatul, uh, which are social democratic party, uh, uh, wasn't uh, new, of course. Uh, in 2005, there were uh, um, um, like just like an, an accord, an accord, agreement. an agreement between those forces, including uh, the Islamist Party, uh, in order to uh, <coughs> to make a, a strong opposition. Uh, towards um, Ben Ali's yeah. rule. So, um, the, what is new is not the uh, the uh, battle between Islamist party and leftist party, but uh, the way, the way uh, perhaps they uh, have to cope with each other um, since 2011 till 2013. The turning the very turning point is, uh, in my uh, my mind, uh, it seems to me to be uh, the sitting of the Bardo, because uh, this uh, sitting, uh, as I mentioned, uh, <coughs> organized the um, separation between uh, old uh, not let's say old friends, old friends, but. Um, after the two assassinations of Shokri Blaid and Mohammed Ibrahimi, it became um, very difficult for the two parties uh, to uh, work together uh, or to have uh, at least uh, pacific uh, relations. And uh, s since 2011 and the constitution of the Troika, uh, the leftist party, the workers' party, Hezbollah uh, Men, uh, which is part of the Popular Front afterwards, uh, has directed all his campaign, electoral campaign, and uh, also uh, all his um, political discourse against. Uh, the uh, Islamist party. So, 
uh, now that there are uh, there is uh, an alliance between uh, an agreement, a political agreement, and a, a government composed by uh, Tunis uh, and the Nahda, uh, there the two Midat uh, Tunis or Nahda are against the, the leftist party, which has um, 15 seats in the in the parliament. So I don't know if I'm answering your question, but uh, what seems to be uh, very important in the uh, ongoing political situation in Tunisia is that um, the uh, all the transition, the political transition since 2011, uh, shown that. Uh, uh, leftist parties uh, and leftist organizations uh, were uh, very um, marginal, 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 yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, that they cannot uh, build any uh, <coughs> strong, strong alliance with any one of the two parties who actually ruling uh, Tunisia. Following on from that last point, just say who you are. Sorry, yeah, um, Ed McAllister, Foreign Office. Um, f uh, following on from that, that last point, does that mean that you think, or are you are you kind of alluding to the fact that the revolutionary process in, in Tunisia has been a class-based phenomenon, where a certain a certain social class has taken over? Because you're talking about left versus kind of centre-right and and and. and, and Parties either of a reformist or an Islamist kind of colour. Um, you know, are, are you talking about elite capture of, rev of revolutionary processes by a certain kind of middle class? It seems to be what you're aiming at. I'm just wondering if mm. you're actually going there specifically. Or mm. Mm. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have a coffee and PhD that's going to be as well. Could you talk a little bit about the protests in Gastrine in the last few weeks? Because you suggested in your talk that it's been much harder to organize social movements in the last couple of years without the support of the PGTT and the popular front. But doesn't the protests in Gastrine suggest that it is possible to organize, at least at an informal level, some kind of protocol organization? Yeah. All right, so let's take those two. <coughs> Last cooptation and protest okay. in Gasserine. Okay. Um, mm, I didn't mean that uh, the political uh, the political process uh, has um, has been uh, uh, an overarching, uh, overwhelming uh, process. Uh, undermining uh, the role of uh, the social organizations and the, and also the the small groups of uh, young people or uh, less young people, uh, but the reality is um, that uh, the Tunisian exception is also a, a Western um, vision. To what uh, to do this complex 
process to this complex process and is uh, made in order to be uh, exported to other countries and uh, what is very important is in this within this uh, model is that uh, is uh, very uh, uh, it's political uh, before um, all other uh, issues so um, of course uh, the Tunisian protest and Tunisian revolution was a class-based uh, phenomenon and uh, which uh, reached uh, very important uh, claims about work, about dignity, about uh, uh, freedom. Uh, the problem is that uh, the collective action actually is uh, a bit difficult to organize uh, within the trade unionism organization now because during uh, Ben Ali's rule the UGTT as you may know uh, was a kind of uh, a whole organize a huge organization uh, uh, who are playing uh, a role, political role but also a social role. After the transition um, it, well, it, it became difficult for, for the leaders of this uh, uh, union, for the leaders first, to uh, pursue the, the, this uh, social uh, activity and also for grassroots members which left the, the trade unionism to uh, the political parties. So the political parties in Tunisia are very weak uh, also uh, including Nidat uh, Tunis or including uh, Nahda party because they are mm, very uh, very new of course so uh, how to build uh, a, a strong organization uh, since 2011 and uh, in, the main, in the meantime uh, to answer your question uh, the social questions uh, remain uh, uh, fully uh, unanswered uh, at all because the the alliance between Nidat Tunus and another party, uh, uh, which are two uh, right wing parties, conservative parties, uh, didn't uh, didn't um, produce any change in into, uh, for example, the economic model. So, uh, th the same model is applied actually in Tunisia, uh, based on uh, small industries and tourism, of course, which, uh, and in the meantime, uh, there is a democratization of uh, schools, of the school system, uh, and we have a, a high rate of uh, unemployed graduates and this uh, those unemployed graduates are uh, at the core uh, of the system and uh, and are uh, the core of the movement uh, gasoline movement which uh, was wide, widespread all of Tunisia but as you said is very informal first and second was very repressed by the police and third was not supported at all by uh, UGTT. 
was not supported by leftist organization uh, even if the leaders uh, such as uh, Hamal Hamani, for example, say that we have to stand with people of Gasrin. Uh, if you look at what is uh, made uh, in the field and what is the, the real support of uh, those organizations, uh, not to mention the, the grassroots uh, activists of uh, from uh, the Pillar Front, you, you will s see that uh, there is actually no support for those uh, for those uh, young people um, that were characterized by uh, those organizations and by the state as uh, thieves and uh, uh, etc terrorists and, uh, uh, and so on and so forth so um, I mean that um, it, if they don't organize because uh, don't uh, organize within a, 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 whole, a, a, a structure of um, collective action uh, supported by um, uh, an organization such as UGTT or such as a party uh, it's very difficult for they to, to, to gather resources in order to uh, to have um, to, to, to raise their uh, their demands and you have uh, actually in Tunisia no uh, no place uh, in order to uh, express those demands. Um, you have since uh, July uh, last July a new movement uh, which uh, which name is Manish uh, Samah. We are not uh, forgiving, but uh, actually it's uh, composed of. Uh, 20 or 30 leaders and uh, you, you have a Facebook support that uh, uh, the, the, mobili the offline mobilization is very hard to uh, to make because of the uh, repress uh, the repression the state of uh, emergency etc etc um, that's why I speak of um, uh, difficulties in the uh, social movements uh, or uh, organization to to to, uh, to appear and to uh, push you pursue the uh, the battle. Yeah. Okay. Right. Further questions. Yeah. <coughs> uh, thank you very much for the presentation. Uh, my name is Jan. I'm doing a PhD here at the LSE in Travis Masurban. And uh, my question is, there seems to be a, a point here about the relationship between organization and ideas, in the sense, or, or form and content or goals. And, and, and I think they're actually contradictory in a sense, uh, because the, the whole point about the vein structures seems to be that there is organizational capacity without a clear goal, without a clear project, mm -hmm. right? the project then gets discursively formulated in the CASPA. Hmm. And somehow then, the way it's formulated grinds down or disrupts the organizational capacity. This seems to be the main argument, right? Um, but I'm wondering, how, how is that possible? Because if initially you have organizational capacity, you seem to initially have an argument that's much more and I mean, this is why you use the Taylor, I would assume, right? It's much closer to standard social movements, theoretical arguments, where essentially uh, 
mobilizational capacity can exist independent of ideas. Um, so I'm wondering how do you actually make the link then um, in what seems to be a much more dialectical relationship where different ideas, the change in the actual goals uh, comes to uh, distort organizational capacity. So you have um, abeyance structures that uh, are activated in, is this CASPA 1 or CASPA 2 we're talking about? The two. Or uh, both? Both. So both, yeah, so both, both these occupations. Yeah, exactly. Um, both. And then on the basis of these new forms of association and activism, a project is developed. And are we to assume that that is a set of political demands about the constituent assembly? Exactly, That's, this was the point. Right. I mean, that, that, that this is where the split between socio-economic yeah. and political During, during the CASPA. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But I didn't uh, understand really the question. And then the, 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 the link yeah. between the form and the content of the... The question was, if mm. previously, apparently, prior to CASPA 1 and 2, uh, these abeyance structures were capable of organizing mobilization independent of ideas. How is it that then, once a particular idea gets formulated, this capacity is apparently eroded because you speak of durable deinstitutionalization, mm. right? Yes, it's a very hard question, but uh, I try to answer it. Um, I think that uh, the, the answer is about the conjecture of uh, those abeyance structures. To be clear, I, told, I, I, I speak of abeyance structures before the revolution, okay? Because, uh, and especially those trade, uni those trade unionist sections, uh, very grassroots sections uh, in uh, inland cities, but also in Tunis, in the, in the suburbs, and uh, would you just define abeyance structures, please? Yeah, uh, what I mean by uh, abeyance structures mm. or abeyance networks are uh, such a set, set of um, spaces, uh, free, uh, such free spaces um, far from um, police eyes and control. Mm -hmm. uh, where uh, people uh, generally um, um, come from uh, outside, uh, come from the not there was there wasn't uh, a real political uh, political life in Tunisia. Uh, I mean, political uh, democratic, of course, political uh, life in Tunisia. So it was a very uh, Clandestine, clandestine. Yeah, you can say clandestine. Clandestine, yeah. clandestine um, uh, life. Uh, most of the political life was clandestine. So uh, during uh, um, uh, during the uh, Ben Ali's rule, uh, people uh, who were uh, engaged and committed to the political uh, battle or the political life uh, had to uh, create their own resources uh, far from uh, the control of the police and in those places 
which are um, you have um, uh, houses of activists, you have uh, cafes, you have uh, uh, also those trade unionist sections where uh, they, they don't explicitly um, make politics or speak about politics, but uh, they can um, elaborate a political discourse far from this uh, repression. And it's how we do politics at LSE. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Back, to the, back to the script. And uh, the second point of those abeyance structures or abeyance networks is that uh, they can make the link between people that generally don't meet each other uh, except on uh, public spaces. Were, which were very uh, controlled by uh, the police and the informers. Uh, actually, the informers uh, more than the police, that, because we know now that uh, the Tunisian uh, government, during Ben Ali's rule, uh, uh, were um, uh, surveilling the population, not by the police, by, but by the population itself. Yeah. Okay? Uh, such as the, the, the Nazi uh, regime, for example. And uh, so those abeyance structures uh, made or played a, a, a very important role during uh, the authoritarian regime and authoritarian rule. And the, uh, the, resor the resources value uh, have shifted between, uh, if we are to compare, uh, between uh, the period of the authoritarian rule and the first revolutionary situation between the uh, December the 17th to uh, January the 14th and between the second revolutionary situation because uh, the conjuncture is totally different uh, the police have uh, has collapsed and uh, the state uh, part of the state has collapsed or uh, most of uh, the institutions that are to control the, uh, the, the population um, have um, um, collapsed too. So um, I think uh, this, have, this has a, a very important role um, for um, the ideas to, to, be, to be elaborated. If I want to be more precise. Uh, I think that the fact that ideas uh, were um, debated in the public space, including um, large, uh, large political. Um, um, no, including uh, most of the people, and um, don't say most of the people. We say um, most politicized people who are to uh, engage in uh, political debate. Uh, this uh, scale shift, um, perhaps, is um, one of uh, is part of the answer. Uh, to your question about the, the shift in the 
political demands and uh, the role of those urban sectors. I don't know if I'm clear, but uh, I try to elaborate. Uh, um. Well, it sounds to me like the ideas have to be present for the urban structures because you have to have politically engaged people who are seeking out mm. unsurveilled spaces. So they are present mm. prior to the open, overt, <coughs> occupational interactions. I don't know. Mm. But uh, do you want to follow up on that? I would have a follow up. Mm. Go on. I mean, uh, okay. I mean, I, I think I think what's interesting is is to think about it in terms of <coughs> that somehow these particular kinds of, for lack of better words, mobilizing structures, uh, 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 do require almost this setting of surveillance. I mean, mm. they're kind of they're kind of partly relying on on maybe also the intimacy. I mean, this is part of, of Berta Taylor's argument also, mm. right? I mean, it's a very intimate community. Mm. And, and, and her point, if I remember correctly, was that, that it's mainly the maintenance of already existing identities that, that these abandoned structures, that what they, what they work towards, right? I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not a, it's kind of a body network almost. So this is, this is I think, where it's, where it's a little bit problematic in the sense if you want to build it into, but, I, but maybe that's another side argument, but if you want to build it into a side of brokerage and, and, and mm. making new connections, because to my understanding it's very much a closed circle. Mm. And that then, I mean, but then this shift of it becoming more public debate kind of distorts the way these, these structures work. Mm. Okay, I understand, I, I think I understand that a little bit. Um, but still, isn't there? I mean, I, I, I still think there's a second element to it in which newly formulated. Wouldn't there need to be something more specific about the ideational content? Because somehow you seem to imply that that it's a particular that it's, for instance, the divorce of uh, to just stick with that the divorce of political and and socioeconomic demands. Once that took place somehow the veins structures as safe havens for activists and, and a certain, sort of maintaining a certain latent mobilizational potential don't work anymore. Somehow, so where's the, and you speak of alienation to a certain extent, but I just mm. want to that I don't quite see that yet fully. I don't know if I'm, yeah. does that make sense or? Yeah, maybe like why don't the abeyance structures keep coming back exactly. and serving as a basis for further mobilization which would continue to press, you know, living organic demands that might change, <coughs> could be socioeconomic as well as political or something? Um, yeah, your question is, is also very hard but it's very important and interesting and thank you uh, very much for, have, for having uh, reading my uh, my paper uh, so closely. Um, let's elaborate with you about uh, the sense and the content of those abeyance structures. Um, perhaps the first um, remark is uh, about the volume of the abeyance structure of the, the, the because you know uh, there weren't they weren't. Uh, as developed as we are talking now, they were very uh, surveyed and uh, very weak. So it, that's why uh, uh, they partly collapsed after the uh, Benhamid fled. 
And the problem is, and this is my second uh, point, the problem is very actual. Uh, because now, uh, the activists I know in Tunisia are uh, engaged in the political, uh, political field, most of them. So, they try to, uh, to change or to, uh, to make uh, social demands into political demands, or political ones. Okay, they try, but uh, the problem is the st structure of the party, the structure of the parliamentary, the, par the parliament, and the parliamentary field. And uh, the problem is the relationship and its uh, a historical uh, uh, feature of the left in Tunisia, but you can have the same problem in France too. <coughs> the relationship between leaders of uh, those uh, uh, former abbey structures and the grassroots. Yeah. Because uh, in my ongoing uh, ethnographic inquiry now, I'm speaking about uh, those uh, interviews that I made uh, last uh, month and in November, um, I met a lot of those um, leftist activists that uh, are supporting they, uh, their uh, party in the parliament, etc. Uh, but th th their issue, of their, pro their major issue, the, the major problem of uh, their activity is that, that they have not any link to uh, the uh, grassroots, uh, grassroots uh, areas or inland cities because of historical uh, historical problems about concerning the uh, leftist party which has uh, changed its name you know in 2012 uh, before 2012 before that electoral defeat uh, they used to uh, be called Hizb al-Aumel Shuyuay Tulsi Shuyuay Communist Party and after the defeat uh, of course they left the Shuyuai and uh, uh, so it calls, uh, now it's called uh, the F Workers' Party because in Tunisia there is an uh, assimilation between uh, communism and atheism yeah. and uh, it's the same in the whole Arab world so uh, it's one of the problems of the, their representation uh, towards the uh, rest of people yeah. so this link, uh, the, 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 the missing of this link of between uh, the, structure, the structures of the parties and also um, social um, civil society uh, organizations and the grassroots is part of the answer of, um, yes, what uh, can be, uh, uh, what can uh, such a structure do uh, now, uh, in order to politicize the uh, the social demands. Yep, absolutely. I'm not okay. I'm clear, uh, but I can elaborate further. Yeah. So, there's a question here. Um, my name is Shema, and uh, I'm a law student. Um, so, you mentioned the role of teachers and trade unions and even political parties. But I was wondering, um, 
is there any role by uni students in kind of mobilizing you know, movements? So you have the it had an the parliament had the um autonomous. So if there is any role, have they any right. university students? Yeah. Right. Okay. Any other questions while we're here? Yeah. Um, I'm Umar, I'm Asian candidate at UN. Um, earlier there was a question um, asked about gasoline protest, and then um, it's clearly that was um, because of the unemployed um, graduate. Um, don't you think any gasoline protest will spread to other cities in Tunisia? And Maybe probably we have um, winter spring or something like that, like the um, winter uprising or other. <coughs> um, other in terms of um, Egypt, because most of um, activists that participated in the protest were mostly kind of like um, students and stuff like that. Um, don't you think the gasoline protest will? spread to maybe city worthy or Tunis depending to kind of like um, change the whole political um, spectrum of Tunisia in general. Alright, thanks. Any other questions? Alright then, so can't the Kasserine style protest spread and uh, the role of the students, university, university students in the um, uh, revolution. Okay. Uh, yeah, actually, um, as I said, uh, the teachers were uh, very important in the politicization of uh, the social claims, but also um, this kind of students which uh, we, we call in Tunisia professional students. <laughs> I mean, professional students are those students, leftist students of Etihad uh, al-Am Tunisi, the Talaba, who are uh, um, students for for 10, 15 years in uh, undergraduate uh, 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 situation. So. Uh, and this is the student section of the UGTT. Yeah, exactly. Right. The main the student, student section. Okay. Mm. Uh, so those those students are very important, and they are not really students. They are activists, but the uh, two main areas where you can you 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 will be able to. Uh, uh, make politics and to talk politics in Tunisia were the UGTT sections and the UGET section. Okay, so those students uh, are now and they they uh, they um, formed al Etihad Tunisi Muatalina Al Amal UDC Union des Diplômés Chômeurs Unemployed Graduate Union in 2006, but um, it was a small organi organization uh, uh, which uh, uh, represent one of those 
Bay instructors that I uh, speak of. But their role were, uh, was um, less important than uh, teachers in the EJTT. But they, they, they played a role, especially in spreading the, spreading the, the, the movement uh, in the universities, and especially in Tunis, because you know in Tunis uh, the leading university is the uh, Sahavil April 9th. So uh, their, their role was very important in spreading the movement into uh, the universities. But the, 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 uh, despite the, the, this role, and despite the fact that when you uh, conduct an interview, uh, you carry an interview with, with them, they always say that uh, they were at the avant-garde of the revolution. Of course, this is their discourse. Um, observation is an ethnography uh, uh, shows that uh, it's totally different. They want the, perhaps the avant-garde. Uh, but a uh, small part of those advanced structures of uh, the, uh, the movement. Um, concerning... <coughs> Have they been demobilized now, though? Uh, it's, a, it's a very important question. They are not demobilized, of course, but uh, by the fact the, the, that they are linked directly to the, the leftist party, the most pop, uh, important party, which is the, the workers' party, they are, uh, um, they are um, um, const well, constrained, constrained, constrained uh, of being demobilized. Okay, they don't. They are not allowed by the hierarchy to uh, to to to. to uh, to have political discourses and political roles uh, in the movement, in the, the actual movement, and um, because uh, you know it's a very um, uh, yeah uh, okay. institution organizations, and uh, they are trying to mobilize universities. But uh, in the real life, or <laughs> when you uh, uh, have interviews with them, uh, they, too, they, 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 they tell you that it's difficult because they don't have the permission to do it. So uh, they play a, a very uh, crucial or uh, major role in the politicization and uh, the, the spreading of all the movement, movements uh, in the capital, but also in the inland universities. Because we don't uh, forget that Tunisia have, uh, has a lot of universities uh, uh, inside or far from Tunis. Mm. Okay. The, right. the question about the about uh, Castrin and uh, perhaps the future of this movement. Uh, I really hope that it can spread, but I, uh, my. Uh, um, Sociological skills uh, tell me that uh, it's uh, quite hard. Uh, first, they have no support. Second, they are totally repressed. Third, they don't have a political 
discourse supported by any organization and uh, uh, for they are depicted as uh, thieves and uh, fifth um, yes they they are um, at the core of uh, a mediatic movement but I fear it's my fear is that uh, and I have um, some uh, relations with uh, some leaders of this movement in Tunisia uh, they cannot uh, um, build any any uh, kind of um, widespread uh, movement, uh, especially because uh, uh, there is no political party, no no one of them uh, supporting them mm. till now. Yeah. Okay. <coughs> uh, yes. I don't know because yes. Uh, why don't no. why don't you and well translate? Ah, <coughs> oh, you translate. Okay. Well, we'll see. The Tunisian Popular Front is is uh, supporting in support, the, yeah. um, the supporting my, my, my the purpose the is current uh, protest. Yeah, my purpose is not to, to to say that they don't support at all. Of course, in all the wait, just say who the Tunisian Popular Front is. Ah, the Tunisian Popular, Fr mm. Popular Front is a coalition of leftist parties, <coughs> and Arab nationalist parties, and leftist <coughs> parties, right. and uh, the more important uh, is uh, the. <coughs> The Workers' Party uh, and what uh, that uh, patriot, democrat, democratic patriot, huh? There are nine parties, yes, but uh, the two main parties are the, those parties. Right. So I didn't say that uh, they don't uh, support the movement. Uh, in all their discour discourses and uh, and. Uh <coughs> Their uh, assessments, uh, uh, they stand with Kasserine, uh, uh, people of Kasserine, people of Sidi Bouzid, people of Jenduba, people of Gafsai, uh, etc. But um, this support is uh, very uh, timid. Hmm? Timid. Shy. Timid. Shy. Very shy. The <laughs> perhaps we have an activist of we have an activist of Jabal Shabi. But I really, I really know them. I know that uh, grassroots uh, activists are more than supporting. They are at the uh, the real. Um, they play a real role uh, directly. Uh, in politicizing and and uh, supporting all the uh, the young people uh, in Catherine, but the leaders I speak about the leaders uh, I saw no uh, none of them uh, supporting really really uh, <laughs> okay but give me uh, so uh, donnez-moi les preuves 
yeah, there are a lot of communiques of what what you want, but. You you must you so must make on the field. Communiques issued yeah. by the. But uh, there is a clear distinction the between the, the grassroots uh, movement and the leaders. And really, uh, I'm wondering if uh, they are supporting that. So. Hmm. Okay. okay. So we so have a question here, yeah. and then I'll I'll let this gentleman speak before you because he hasn't spoken yet. Oh, there's another one. Okay, now we have a crowd of people. <laughs> All right. So you start. Hi, my name is Zainab. I'm Tunisian. I'm uh, the daughter of uh, this Rizoka. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I know I know her two daughters, <laughs> and I, I ignore that she has a third one. Yeah. <laughs> It's the so, first uh, time we heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, regarding what's happening today um, with um, the mobilization of Pasolid, with this, uh, which is um, mainly related with the state of the economy, with unemployment, with worse, worsening year by year, with instability, with uh, in the border with Libya, with uh, the rise of Islamic uh, radicalization. The repression by the police who resemble a lot to the one under Ben Ali. I mean, and also like the evident um, inefficiency of the state apparatus to contain terrorism attack. How, like, what is your insight on how um, will Tunisia be capable to consolidate its democracy, or do you think there is um, a chance that it will um, slip into an authoritarian counter revolution? Okay, all right. Possibility of counter-revolution, and there was it, because you haven't spoken. Uh, I'm Jean Agatran University. I actually felt from your paper that you were being a bit unfair to the left. Um, uh, and the, the remarks in the Jabba al Shabi somehow mirror that. And if you follow, actually, I mean, you take two periods, right? Uh, and but if you actually cover what happened in between them, I think it tells some more, um, let's say, faithful story of what happened to the left and how the left position and how it was cut out and you know the various Jabahat, the local Jabahat uh, in Kazasaura and so forth. Um, so, so so um, again, I'm a bit puzzled by the way you kind of conflate the Hadalam with the left, and mm. well, conflate who with the left? The, the UGTD uh, and the left, and the left. Mm -hmm. and, mm. uh, and <coughs> I think I mean you choose the second period, the second period, which somehow proves your point on that. Um, but I mean. I've read it. I've read the situation from the constitutional transition perspective, and uh, it had um, played a significant role in channeling and constraining the discourse into formal politics. So we need to go for a constituent assembly. We need to play the political game. So it's all in that kind of um, uh, thread. Whereas the left was out of that game. Mm. and oppose that kind of uh, agreement on the formalization of, of, of politics. So, yeah, I don't think you're being okay. uh, fair to the left. 
right. Let's take a couple more if we can, because this gentleman and also uh, you also had something. Mm. So, I'm a finance student at the LSE. Um, how do you see the impact of the extremist uh, threat on the future of uh, Tunisia? And do you think the government is doing enough to fight the, the micro-cells who are recruiting and training and sending people to Syria or whatever other countries? Okay. Right. Thank you. And and um, was there one over here? Yeah. Ah, yes. But but uh, but I think uh, you wanted to follow up first, and then we'll have you, Ed. Mm. Um, I just wanted to refute what he said regarding the Madden's comment over there. Okay. About no leaders openly supporting the protests. Obviously, I have a specialty in knowing that. But um, so Mohammed has openly supported it and has gone on national televisions speaking out in favour of it. He organised a protest himself in November where thousands of people went to share a heavy Bourguiba, arguing for the exact same things that the people in Gassim are arguing for. He put forward the proposals to Parliament and they were rejected for benefits. And in it, so it was 200 dinars benefits per month in exchange for five hours of work per week. And he put forward to the Tunisian Parliament and was rejected. He organised a protest in Shara Habib Bourguiba. Thousands attended. He launched an ultimatum. The government rejected it again. And then he was going to do the next protest in Sparks, but due to, um, there was the bomb in Tunis, capital, so he cancelled the protest. But since then, he's been actively campaigning for the same things that people have seen and actively supporting them. So I think it's unfair to say not one single leader has, when hmm. clearly there is one. Yeah. What, 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 can you just tell us the name uh, of this leader one more time? Mohammed um, Hashim Okay, okay. Mohammed Al Hashim Hamdi. Al Hashmi Al Hamdi. Al Hashmi Al Hamdi. Okay. All right. And what about Ed? I'm just wondering. Uh, obviously, there's a degree of disagreement about the level of support that the leadership of kind of, of, of these organisations has for the protests. Um, but if you're right, uh, I guess the first part of the question, then following on from these, is, is, is what evidence is there for the what? What more could the leaders of these of these movements do other than? give statements to actually support the protests. Mm, mm. Um, and if there is this, this, um, this kind of growing split between the grassroots and the leadership of Jabba um, Shabiya and Tehad uh, um, are we headed for a split in the movements? As, as these, these movements who have kind of backed the transition process, um, as the grassroots of these movements are seeing that that, that trans trans transition process has not borne out the so original socio-economic demands of the revolution, are we headed for the appearance of new um, organisations and splits in these kind of traditional, now okay. traditional um, fronts of the left? Alright then, so are you being unfair to the left, what about the extremist threat and what about the, the uh, counter-revolution? Okay. <clears throat> uh, how to consolidate democracy uh, and um, perhaps uh, I linked I will link this question to how to uh, respond or how to respond to extremist three threat uh, in Tunisia. I think that uh, one of the solutions uh, is. Uh, the what we call the institu institutionalization of the census. Uh, the problem now is that uh, in Tunisia we have 
uh, a great constitution for which we have uh, this great uh, Nobel Prize but and we have within this constitution uh, institution ins institutions of uh, transition uh, transition justice yes say that yep yep transitional okay. justice but uh, they uh, they aren't um, played out is that yep they are played out they are there is l'instance de la vérité, de la dignité, dignity and truth council or instance with head by Sihem Ben Sedrin and dozens of leaders of liberal organizations and movements etc but they have no means and they have no resources and they are now uh, playing an ongoing role uh, for uh, treating uh, especially the, the memory and the, the memory of the authoritarian rule and uh, all the repression issues uh, caused by uh, Ben Ali's rule and Bourguiba's rule but in the meantime uh, remained what you said, uh, the same, exactly the same problems, uh, same economic problem, uh, and the same economic model uh, based on uh, small industries and uh, agriculture and tourism, uh, and the um, desperate uh, young people, and especially uh, the graduate, the unemployed graduate people. Uh, I, uh, you, you remind that um, the, the beginning of the Gasserine uh, movement begins with, uh, begins with, uh, began with uh, the suicide of one of them. So uh, when I, uh, I uh, speak about the failure of leftist parties uh, to answer. Uh, Gianluca, to answer when I when I speak about uh, the failure of uh, the leftist parties, that I don't, uh, uh, we do, which are very different, uh, not, which are different from the trade union, of course. But you have before before 2011, there were uh, they have um, multi positions. Uh, into the two organi organizations, political and uh, social. Uh, I'm not. I don't. I'm not unfair to, to the left. Um, as much as I think that uh, the uh, leftist parties uh, has laissé passer sa chance. Let go their chance. <coughs> left the, the opportunity of uh, <coughs> constructing a very uh, 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 grassroots movements based on uh, the uh, claims of the revolution. And uh, the problem is not that they weren't uh, understood by the population. The population. That is, 
uh, that's their discourse that they are not un understood by rational people because uh, uh, they hate us uh, they um, they consider that we are uh, not uh, good Muslims that uh, uh, we represent um, the bourgeois uh, um, classes, etc. Uh, the problem is not in the uh, grassroots people or in the middle classes. Okay, uh, the problem is in uh, their practices and in their uh, discourses. Uh, I have a lot of graduate students that uh, who um, made uh, carried out uh, ethnographic inquiries and surveys and. Uh, field works into those organizations, uh, left organizations, and uh, it's always the same. Uh, the same statement uh, at the end. Uh, there is a great uh, um, separation between, uh, uh, which is a separation between uh, two generations, or well, yeah, the old and the young people inside all those. Uh, organizations and there are also a uh, great uh, 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 separation or uh, uh, problem um, especially uh, concerning uh, the role of Islam inside uh, the uh, Tunisian society and the way they uh, speak about uh, uh, Islamic uh, religion, uh, etc., uh, that makes um, the relationships between them, uh, the leaders, and uh, the, the activists, and uh, the grassroots difficult to, to, to build on. I think it's part of my, my, uh, my analysis. You can uh, agree or not, but the is it that the older generation are dismissive of Islam? Is that what? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's not only the old generation. I mm -hmm. think that there is a great problem uh, in this uh, kind of um, leftist parties about the role of Islam in Tunisia and the role also uh, about the, the role of Islam in um, Earth political uh, political society uh, and a number of uh, them has supported uh, the role and um, the coup d'etat of El Marichal and Sisi now they are not that supporting but uh, in 2013 it was the case uh, arguing that uh, in Tunisia at the same time we have the same problem and we don't care if, yes, we have to eradicate, uh, uh, and this is the same problem in Algeria too, uh, a part of the population yeah. and of the political elite. And this kind of discourse, which is very uh, important in the media and uh, the uh, social networks, etc., and the press, um, has uh, uh, an important, uh, uh, a very important role, uh, and uh, in the the, 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 in the population, and especially those who uh, uh, suffer the unemployment and uh, exclusion, etc., etc. So, um, right. 
Okay, the, let, let's, because we're running out let, of time. We still okay, have so why don't you tackle the, the counter-revolution and the so-called... Yeah, the counter-revolution. Uh, <coughs> the counter-revolution uh, uh, has began directly with the revolution, or before it. So, uh, it's part of the problem and it is part of the solution. Uh, I don't... Uh, uh, I don't know if I was clear, but... Uh, the only uh, way to afford uh, this counter-revolution uh, is in um, playing out or make um, more um, constraining support from outside to uh, the institutional uh, reform of the political organizations in Tunisia and the political field. Uh, I mean by that uh, to, play, uh, to play out the uh, instance for their, their, uh, truth and dignity, for example. Um, the problem of this um, recent law uh, about uh, economical reconciliation, uh, which is a very, a very um, I, I think uh, very problematic and uh, to support the uh, organization of uh, civil society and leftist uh, parties uh, which are now uh, um, suffering uh, uh, a situation they they have um, uh, how to say it, uh, created themselves, perhaps not with um, their will, of course, but uh, they have, they, they created it. All right, well, uh, you could, you, you could have perhaps the last question. It's not my uh, real job to uh, discuss political discourses, but if you want uh, to, uh, if you want me to send you all the political discourses of those leftist parties against Islamist parties, I will send you. But uh, it's. Uh, uh, obvious, it's an obvious attack and a uh, regular attack against the Islamists, uh, even inside the Nida Tunis, which is now 
uh, uh, Ali of um, Nahda to uh, to say that they support extremist uh, and uh, Salafi uh, organizations and they uh, have also organized the two assassinations of Shukri Bilaid and Mohammed Ibrahimi and they are org uh, they, they, they organized to uh, uh, the, the spread of all those Salafi cells uh, uh, in all Tunisia so it's, um, it's not uh, an issue uh, I think uh, of course we are all Tunisian and uh, we are all uh, um, part of this country but uh, the problem or the political problem is that after uh, a revolution after a, revolution, a revolutionary situation uh, the problem is the, uh, how the power of the state is uh, moving from an elite to another and I think that is uh, this issue is at stake in Tunisia till now uh, and uh, it's uh, redefining uh, the boundaries of the political field and who uh, has the right to speak uh, uh, within this political field and to uh, uh, elaborate uh, political discourses and uh, have the right to uh, speak in the political space and public space and who uh, hasn't the right. Yeah. So I think uh, this is a great battle and it's ongoing and we don't even know uh, how it will be uh, um, uh, closed or yeah. uh, Okay, well, that's a, a good note to end on. I think we have to push it to a close because uh, we're running out of time, unfortunately, but uh, some of these quite basic issues have obviously come. I mean, note that Charles Tripp's paper that this research network through the Middle East Centre has published, it's absolutely on this, it's on Tunisia, and it's on this question of, as you mentioned, mm. the institutionalisation mm. of dissensus, agonism, who has the right to speak in the Republic, who doesn't, and, uh, and it's all about that whole conundrum and the very acute conflicts that, that can be regionally transmitted or otherwise um, to Tunisia. But um, anyway, that's, uh, you've given us a lot to think about and definitely a, 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 a critical approach to your material, and, uh, but you know, uh, this is, uh, this is provocative and, um, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how that paper develops and I hope you will look forward to seeing uh, the publication when it comes out. Otherwise, thank you very much for coming and uh, again, uh, I, I hope we gave uh, Dr. Shukri Hamad a serious engagement and, uh, so, uh, and, I, and I should announce the next Middle East uh, Centre lecture, which is tomorrow, Jonathan Hill, who's a visiting fellow here will be discussing <coughs> democratization in the Maghreb uh, and um, especially Morocco, Algeria and Mauritania so um, and that's going to be tomorrow but otherwise uh, the main thing is also you know apart from thanking the Middle East Center again and the government department for, for sponsoring this series is to thank very much indeed uh, uh, 
Shukri Ahmed for coming uh, this way and for sharing these uh, valuable insights and for pre-circulating the paper and uh, it was a very uh, great pleasure to have you here and um, thank you very much. Thank you. And we will be um, having a drink in the George afterwards if uh, anyone's welcome to come along to have a Coca-Cola or a cup of tea or a pint of beer or whatever. <coughs>